0: or at whatwasthatlike.com.
1: Welcome to Fruit Loops Season 1, Episode 6. Thanks for listening. We must say that some of the things that we discuss on this podcast may be triggering and or disturbing for some listeners. Please know that we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised.
2: Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by um, people of color that we don't hear or know much about, and also their victims. Um, Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white. There are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is the podcast all about them. We take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of the serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color that media and entertainment commonly leave out
1: because, well, the news like many, many systems in the West are racist. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, I'm Beth. We're not mm-hmm. journalists. We're not investigators, nor are we psychologists. We're just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Yeah. So <laughs> we're,
2: we're very unqualified. We're, but we're, we're nobody. Are, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. You know what? Why don't you just turn it off? Yeah, now. just turn it off. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> so um, do we have any shout outs or news? Or maybe you can just tell me how you're doing
1: today, Beth. I'm doing good. Um, I did some yard work this morning, which, as you know, sucks Ooh. in uh, <laughs> Phoenix <laughs> in the middle yeah. of the yeah. summer. Had to get up yeah. early to do that. So that was fun. Oh,
2: you couldn't put it off or hire somebody to do it?
1: I wish I could afford to hire somebody to do it. But no, I couldn't put it off. Yeah. I put it off I'm always putting it off, so <laughs> <laughs> so it was like it, I better do it or I'm gonna get a nasty gram from the HOA. I have an HOA, and those cocksuckers can eat bags of dicks.
2: <laughs> I it's it's like we can't do anything. We own our house, I, and they they like they come up with the, the, the most asinine fucking rules. We can't park in um on our street past midnight so if you're they they hired a fucking security company they pay they this is what they do with our dues wow. they pay a security company to drive around and pop people for parking on their own that's damn ridiculous
1: street. That there's is ridiculous. an asshole
2: his name is alex and he <laughs> walks around every thursday with his cargo shorts and crocodile dundee hat inspecting (laughs) everybody's fucking house and just handing out letters like they're tic tacs wow that's your tree has too many leaves uh you've got oil spots your garage door is crooked there's a splinter hanging off of your door. i mean any for, for any reason plus Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm going on this red. I hate the HOA so much. There are people in our community who have like grudges against other people in the community and just file complaints. Oh, yeah. Bullshit complaints about their dogs who. It's just ridiculous. And the HOA says, well, we got a complaint. So now you got to get a letter. And if you don't respond, we have to find you. Yeah, I just can't with these people. So we are looking for another house and we, no HOA. That is like the one requirement. Uh, It can't have an HOA. And the moment we move in, we're going to put a couch on the front lawn park our cars on the grass just to just know what it can. feels like <laughs> just because we can for one se- just just to know how gratifying it will feel to have my own house glad, i'm glad you got the yard work done yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> our, our HOA is not as bad as yours <laughs> because okay. I can go. I can go okay. weeks without doing yard work. That's why I had to do it today because, uh, yeah, it was it was getting time. You know, you just get a feeling like, oh, if I go one more week, I'm going to get an Instagram from the HOA.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's stupid letters. Oh my gosh! So, um, i okay. Side note: I joined the HOA because I joined the association, like the board. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to fuck up the system, right? But it was just becoming to it was beginning to be way too much of a commitment. These people take this stuff so, so seriously, seriously.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, and I just for my spirit, I had to leave it alone. Yeah, so, those people I try kill. not to get letters. <laughs> most people can They're eat a bag so of dicks. they can eat they can eat all the bags of dicks because because it's just it's out of control We're it's like they don't to have our hobbies lives. they
1: should just like start a podcast or something
2: they should about hoa yeah and, and then we don't have to read our fucking ccnrs every time we have an issue anyway uh, oh my gosh! Now I'm all heated. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. Where are
1: you? Where are you recording from today?
2: Today I am in garage studio. Oh now,
1: man! So you're hot already. I am. I I am dripping sweat onto the floor, and
2: I am going on. Vic- this is not very healthy. So um, don't at me. I already know it's not a good idea. But <laughs> don't at me. Uh, <laughs> so sometimes when I work out, I wear like this um band around my waist that makes you sweat like super duper much Uh and I am going on vacation in a little while and my summer body isn't quite ready so I have I'm in the garage recording with my waist trainer oh my gosh uh so anyway uh but I have water so
1: (laughs) I I won't at you but um if you start feeling faint let me know
2: (laughs) (laughs) I will. <laughs> so, uh
1: yeah. So, uh shout out to
2: uh fucking HOAs and waste trainers. Um, <laughs> so, do we have any this is a part of a show where we if there's any true crime goodies out there involving people of color, we like to mention it. Um any do you have any recommendations today? I
1: don't today. How about oh, you? I yeah? do,
2: guys it is a netflix documentary it's called long shot it is the gut-wrenching true story of juan catalan he's a latinx california family man who was arrested for a murder he did not commit um the documentary documents his lawyer's attempt to prove his innocence and i can't remember how long he was in prison for but uh basically the dude who got locked up for murder was uh at a baseball game at the time the murder was committed and he ended up on like the kissing cam or something like that and uh spoiler alert if you haven't seen it yet by a long shot um footage of his um of him at the game his lawyer finally tracked it down and was able to use it um to prove that he it was impossible for him to have uh, committed this murder. So it's um like got all these twists and turns and you like
1: feel so bad for him, but
2: it's got a really good um, ending. Cause he gets out of jail. Yay.
1: Yeah. I saw that one. It's really good. I didn't think it was going to be that yeah. good because you kind of know going in what the story is, but all the twists and turns yeah. uh, make it really interesting. Yeah. There you go. All right. What else? Uh, any serial killer news? I have some crime news. So, a suspect Mm -hmm. in the killings of at least three people in a weekend crime spree in the Houston, Texas area was arrested on July 17th. Uh, Police had warned residents in and around Houston, Texas, to be on high alert prior to the arrest. Did you see that when it, uh, that alert came out? No, no, this, this was it's new to you
2: wow just a few days ago yeah.
1: okay um yeah uh, what i saw was that they were saying there was a serial killer on the loose in houston oh boy and i was like "Ooh, i gotta check that out so anyway officials said uh they arrested jose gilberto rodriguez 46 who they described as having gang ties mm-hmm. he is a convicted sex offender who was paroled nearly two years ago And he had an ankle monitor and I guess was on home arrest. And he apparently cut off his ankle monitor and then went on a crime spree.
2: Oh, my God. Yes, I did see this. And he went back to the scene of the crime. Or maybe he was trolling for victims at the mall. He was found on surveillance video. Yes, I take back what I said. I did hear about this.
1: So he's been charged (laughs) with two counts of capital murder and the deaths of 62-year-old Pamela Johnson and 57-year-old Edward Magana. Johnson was found dead in her Cypress home on July 13th, her car having been stolen, and Magana's body was found July 16th inside the Mattress One store where he worked. Rodriguez is also a suspect in the killing of 28-year-old Allie Barrow, a mattress firm employee found fatally shot July 14th in the back office of her store. In addition to the killings, Rodriguez is also suspected of a July 9th home invasion robbery and the July 16th shooting and robbery of a 22-year-old bus driver, but he's expected to uh, survive. Um, Police have not mentioned a possible motive for the killings, and they say there's no connection between the victims. The only connection I see is a couple of mattress stores, which is weird. The mattress store? Yeah, why would you... Yeah, (laughs) I. I, What makes you go? Maybe, maybe uh, he went into
2: the store. Maybe they disrespected him in some kind of way, and he felt like
1: (laughs) he's looking for a mattress. I don't know. (laughs) He didn't like the customer service. I don't. Yeah, but why is why is he going into mattress stores? Like he's he he's just can't get enough sleep. He's really pissed because he can't sleep good. He needs a mattress. Maybe. I don't know.
2: Okay, these these salesmen though at these mattress stores really are awful. You know, they follow you yeah, around. They
1: they do. You know, uh, push they, pretty hard. They're pretty pushy,
2: and maybe he was like, "No, I'm not going to take this." <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe no, I don't, I don't want I that can't wait mattress. To, to see the police interview.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I said firm. <laughs> I said Soda. <laughs> did you see his picture, though? <laughs> he was really—he creepy again. as fuck.
2: <laughs> yeah, I did. I, yeah, he did. He, yeah. There's this. There's this picture, or, or this famous um, model. What's his name? I think his name's Convict Bay, and he's this really handsome black guy, um, like light skinned. He has like blue eyes and a ch- chiseled jawbone, mm-hmm. and he's so handsome, but the moment he opens his mouth he, sounds he like ruins it anyway, uh, i yeah this, this guy this mr mattress killer guy was not no handsome, like um, no, comic not at all. <laughs> um all right so um We are a new podcast and we've gotten some uh, feedback from some people and I think that it is important at this stage, maybe we should have done it sooner, but here we're doing it now and we're going to talk about race. And uh, before we get into our episode too deep, uh, we feel like it's important to have a discussion about race because it pertains to much of what we discuss on our podcast. And we have to say that um, this is a safe space. Um, This is a podcast about true crime and people of color, and we're all learning all the time and hopefully um, trying to be our best sexy selves. Amen. Yeah,
1: Yeah, (laughs) actually, before we started the podcast, I was a little worried because I was afraid I might say something insensitive or stupid. Because uh, I'm the white girl on a podcast about people of color. So, you know, <laughs> it could happen.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and, and and we could all say something silly. But, yeah. but we're in a safe space.
1: Yeah, and we're we're just trying to open up a discussion. Mm-hmm. And so Wendy and I talked about it, and we decided that she said that it would be a safe, safe space and a place to learn. So... If I say something stupid, it's just part of the learning process. And I apologize. <laughs>
2: me too.
1: Me too.
2: Uh, in fact, we're five episodes in and I guarantee I've already said some shit that I probably shouldn't have said, but I'm sorry. And it's a safe space and we're all learning. And um, so let's, let's uh, move along. Um, true crime is a, It's difficult to talk or hear about sometimes because it deals with things like murder and death and rape and torture. And um, race is also difficult to talk about, but it is just part of the world that we live in. And it plays an important part in our show and in our subjects' lives. And um, we got to talk about it. Sorry, (laughs) this episode is (laughs) um, appropriate to have a conversation about race because um, there were uh, so many murders happening all at the same time um in this poor black and brown area in los angeles and law enforcement didn't seem too interested in investigating these crimes it's unfortunate for the victims and for the communities that they lived in now eventually law enforcement stepped in but imagine if the community was not poor and not of color how many lives could have been spared um a couple of resources that at least I've read um, and would recommend to help um, if anybody li- is listening to our true crime podcast and also kind of wondering um, how to start uh, uncomfortable conversations about race. I have a couple of resources that I would like to recommend. Um, uh, this this is a, first one is a book called "So You Want to Talk About Race," and the author <laughs> is Igioma Ulo Uluo. Uh, I listened to the book and um loved it and um next uh resource is the new jim crow by michelle alexander uh third resource i'd recommend is 13th it's a movie on netflix about the 13th amendment but um really how um like slavery has uh evolved um so uh, anyway, watch it. It's great. Ava DuVernay is involved. Um, I am not your Negro by James Baldwin, or it's not by James Baldwin. It, it is on, uh it's on Amazon, and it is a movie about James Baldwin um, and his message. Um, right, f- white Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. It's an article about <laughs> white fragility, and um, it it I believe it, it that Robin is a white woman and talks about. Um, I read it a long time ago, but like, she gave one example of if you've never had to, if, um, if you've never felt uncomfortable um, when a, like a, uh, like a person of color walks by you and uh, cl- clutched your purse or uh, locked your door, then um, then you don't have to worry about right fragility. But if you have, then maybe you do. Um, and then another uh, resource I think, uh, if you're considering having a conversation about race is a letter from a Birmingham jail by Martin Luther King Jr. And I, it has been a while since I read that one, but, um, I do think it, um, uh, is, uh, important.
1: So, So, and the best way to tackle the race problem is to have uncomfortable conversations about it, like this one. Mm -hmm. Um, And we welcome our listeners to be a part of the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, at all the uh, things, all the things (laughs) at Fruit Loops.com. Uh, pod, except Snapchat, because we're we're too we old. Don't, for yeah, Snapchat. we're too old for that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, how does all this race stuff fit into true crime? Well, a couple of ways. Um, the default of the Western world is white. So, before we had black or segregated schools, we just had schools. And crime isn't called white crime; it's just called crime. And black crime is discussed as if it is in entirely different kind of crime when it really is just crime Um, black entertainment televisions you know BET their counterpart is just regular television all of the other channels Um, victims of um, white crime are the default and they are what the media covers black and brown victims are not seen as victims of crime Um, there's lots of reasons for that too and unfortunately these things can't be dismantled in one lifetime let alone in one podcast or one episode of a podcast but um, talking about it and um, being a good listener is important too and Beth and I created this podcast because we saw that um, the true crime space was missing something um, and uh, it uh, is an important conversation it's important to add um, diversity to um, uh, the conversation and um, you know, uh, the media focused, has focused uh, greatly on white victims and sensationalized their white perpetrators. Um, and so, again, we uh, believe diversity is important in the conversation and in perspective. We love true crime. We love doing this podcast. We love the dialogue and we love you guys, our listeners.
1: And don't forget to continue the discussion on our Facebook page and all the other stuff.
2: and email us (laughs)
1: yes email us (laughs) whatever you feel like doing (laughs) (laughs)
2: um i (laughs) i might have got a little overzealous Yeah, yeah speaking of i got a little ahead of ourselves well maybe i am but um we are just really excited about um that people are listening and downloading the podcast and so i um was thinking So you know how Beyonce fans are called the beehive, the beehive and Lady Gaga's fans are called monsters. I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh, what should, what should our fans be? I don't know this could be totally dumb. It could go nowhere, but if it does, um, what do you think? Um, maybe we should do a Twitter or Facebook poll, but could we be like fruit loopies? (laughs) Fruities. Fruities. Loopsters (laughs) Loopsters <laughs> We're also very open to suggestions. So anyway, um okay, done with the silliness. Um, oh hey, should we um take a break to hear from our sponsors? <laughs>
1: um, no, because we don't have any yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on
2: with the show.
1: <laughs> okay, so today we're covering Chester Dwayne Turner, also known as the Southside Slayer an American convicted serial killer. On April 30th, 2007, he was convicted of the murders of 10 women in Los Angeles and was also found guilty in the death of an unborn child of one of his victims. He was later convicted of four additional murders on June 19th,
2: 2014. So um, this, we didn't really talk about this, but is it is it true that he is the most prolific black serial killer in the LA area?
1: Um, that's what I read, and, uh, comparatively to The Grim Sleeper, uh, he, he had, there's, uh, he has a bigger body count, so. uh, So, I I guess so. That's, yeah, um, I probably should have looked into, to that a little harder, but I read it in several different places.
2: Hey, add us, listeners, if you, um if you have uh some hard facts on that whether or not he is he is the does does he hold the number one spot let us know um we should know but um i read it i i, I again you read it somewhere but i'm not sure if it's true or not So yeah
1: it was true at one time apparently okay i don't know if it's still true oh well that's what that's yeah because i read it in several different places mm-hmm. okay so.
2: well This is my favorite part, is the stats. (laughs) All right, drum roll. Um, So he uh, was convicted of 15 murders. Um, In 2007, he was convicted of 11 of those murders, 10 women and one uh, unborn baby. And then later in 2014, um, he was uh, linked, uh, believe by DNA, to four additional murders. Um, I'm going to read the names of his victims because they... um, are important part of the story. Paula Vance, she was 24 when she was killed. Brenda Brise was 39. Diane Johnson was 21. Annette Ernest was 26. Anita Fishman, 31 years old. Regina Washington was 27. Andrea Triplett was 29 at the time of her death. Desiree Jones was 29 as well. Natalie Price was 31 years old. Mildred Beasley, Beasley, I'm sorry, 45, Tammy Christmas, I don't have her age listed, Um, Deborah Williams, 32, Mary Edwards was 42, Um, Mr. Turner's crimes um, began in 1987 and his spree ended in 1998, he was apprehended in 2003 at age 37, and uh, what did he get? The death penalty, he got two death sentences.
1: All right. So, Chester Dwayne Turner was born on November 5th, 1966, in Warren, Arkansas. Uh, He moved to LA with his mom when he was five years old after his parents separated. His mom worked two jobs, and Turner was described as a latchkey kid who stuck close to home. He attended public schools in LA, but reportedly showed a lack of inhibition and disregard for social boundaries. Relatives of one victim say that he was dubbed by his classmates in school as Chester the Molester. That's awful. Yeah. Unless um, he was actually molesting people.
2: Right. Um, but uh, every time I ever met a Chester in my life. It was, they've was always the first...
1: been Chester the Molester. In my yeah. head.
2: I n- never to their face, though.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I knew Chesters and people Called them Chester the Molester. So, it's just, yeah.
2: M- mom, stop naming your kids Chester. <laughs>
1: yeah, just don't. Just say no to Chester. Just
2: <laughs> say no. Uh, so he dropped
1: out of school at the age of 17. Uh, police said he started hanging out with neighborhood kids and portraying himself as a gang member. He mm-hmm. worked at Domino's Pizza as a cook and a delivery person and lived with his mom until she moved to Utah. Um, And I want to say that I read in most articles that he continued to live with his mom until she moved to Utah, but one said that his mother kicked him out for drug and alcohol abuse.
2: My baby is doing drugs! Sorry. (laughs) Um, There's this famous black actress named Loretta Devine, and she was on this show called The Carmichael Show. And when Loretta Devine speaks... This is a tangent for sure. Her her when she speaks it sounds like she's singing a song, but she's just talking. She's just talking. So so just has a
1: very musical voice. She, she just
2: literally I mean and she is a, like an amazing singer, but like she uh so her, I don't know, her son was like, got caught for like smoking pot or something. And she was like, my baby is doing drugs. And so anytime I hear the word drugs, I can't help myself.
1: I just have to say that. So anyway. So yeah, his baby, her baby was doing drugs. Her baby was doing drugs. Um, <coughs> excuse me. After that,
2: he was homeless and he bounced around between homeless shelters and missions in L.A., Police say he was into drugs and the street life. He also used to walk the streets near his home with a friend, hang out with the sex workers in Figueroa and get into brawls with neighborhood kids. A friend of Turner's said that he was known in the neighborhood as someone who was off his rocker when he got mad. (laughs) Yikes. From
1: 1995 to 2002, Turner was jailed seven times. For six nonviolent offenses, theft and drug possession, and one assault charge on an officer on April ninth, nineteen eighty-seven, I also read there was a cruelty to animal charge in there somewhere. I um, saw that too. Yeah, and then uh, it's reported that in one stabbing incident, uh, he knifed a childhood friend after the teen pulled a weapon on him, and he also uh, Turner claims that he was jumped by three thugs who sliced his right cheek uh leaving a dramatic facial scar so when you see pictures of him you can see that that scar on his face it's it's uh yeah it's dramatic
2: yeah i mean foundation is not going to cover that scar I oh mean, it no is no it's like pronounced
1: it's like he was in a pirate fight you know
2: yeah like captain <laughs> like captain hook got yeah up. I mean, definitely I, w- I was just watching that movie today with my kids so <laughs> it's fresh in my mind um <laughs> so uh where did all this take place we're gonna give you the who what where when we don't know the why though no um but it took place in south side la turns out at the time there were five serial killers operating at the time in the same area.
1: Wait a minute. There were five serial killers operating at the same time. Five serial, five serial killers. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's insane. (laughs) I saw that in more than one article. That
1: is insane. And
2: that's why I know I, okay. Other side note. So I used, I grew up in the Bay area and we used to watch the news and the news was always in LA, right? Uh Uh, the, The, the nightly news just arresting black people, more black people killed, blah blah blah. And I remember just hearing on multiple occasions the grown ups around like, me don't saying, "Don't
1: go to L.A." <laughs> yeah,
2: don't go to L.A. And golly, in a few years the Bay Area is going to be as bad as L.A. Like I just remember thinking, "What are you guys talking? What do you mean as bad as L.A.? What's going on around here?" So anyway, yeah, that's five serial killers operating at the same time in the same that's area. Insane. Super duper nuts. Turner had been connected through DNA to 13 murders that occurred in the LA area. And uh, so uh, Turner spree was again from 1987 to 1998. 11 of these murders took place in a four block wide corridor that ran on either side of Figueroa Street between Gage Avenue and 108th Street, which is referred to as the Figueroa Corridor. The area is still notorious for prostitution, drug, crime, and violence. And police have said that they believe there were several other serial killers operating in South LA in the South LA area frequented by Turner, as we said, five, five operating at the time, is five, what is believed five, to be five. the number <laughs> five. Can you imagine? Oh <laughs> God. Well, um, we will put a map of uh, Turner's crimes on our website in our footnotes. And um, it is quite striking how concentrated the area was um, and that nobody did something for so long. Before.
1: Yeah. So uh, the 1980s were a violent time with a crack epidemic, a PCP epidemic, and the city was still reeling from uh, mass murders and serial killings that began in 1969 when Charles Manson and his followers committed the sensational Tate-LaBianca murders. Mm. Other cases that they dealt with were the Skid Row slasher, Mm -hmm. Vaughn Greenwood, who terrorized transients cutting their throats as they slept. Oh, my God. I know. That's terrible. Uh, The freeway killer, William Bonin, uh, an unemployed downy truck driver who was convicted of murdering and raping 14 boys and men in Orange and Los Angeles counties in 1979 and 1980. Uh, Then came the night stalker, Richard Ramirez, Convicted in nineteen eighty nine of thirteen horrific torture murders.
2: I wish there was a stronger word for like horrific because I know I feel like that's an understatement when, when referring to Richard Ramirez because I, I just heard one podcast episode about this dude and his crimes and then I made the mistake of going to look up his picture on the internet
1: oh, and yeah. really
2: I I he's in my nightmares.
1: Yeah, he's he looks like the devil.
2: Yeah, he really does. He really does. Oh my gosh. So, um if anybody can think of a stronger word than horrific,
1: <laughs> please <laughs> let us know.
2: <laughs> Cuz that's what I'm feeling when I think of him. Um but back to Turner, uh beyond those cases that Beth just um laid out for us, the Southside cops had their hands full when the bodies of victims started to pile up along the Figueroa corridor. A detective uh, Victor Pietrat- Pietrantoni, yeah, uh, Victor Vic- Vicki P, uh, <laughs> who worked in the Southeast division at the time has said we were averaging 25 to 30 murders a year with two detectives. Jesus in, Christ. Are you serious? <laughs> um, when I, okay. Now we all know now that like California has the sixth largest or fifth now economy in the world, right? Wow. Um, and, uh, I'm just assuming that there was more, there had to have been more resources available than just two detectives. I I don't know. I'm scratching my head at that. When I left Southeast after three years, I had just shy of 100 murder investigations. He said. People, yeah, a hundred percent insane. People began to suspect that there was a serial killer working when the bodies of mostly back, Black sex workers were found dumped in parks, alleys, along unpaved roadsides, and even in a schoolyard. But authorities did not seem too concerned. Hmm, I wonder why. Hmm. In fact, (laughs) in the 1980s, the LAPD marked the deaths of several women in South Los Angeles with the identification, prepared to be horrified, N-H-I, meaning no humans involved which was used for cases involving chronic drug users and prostitutes, which by the way, you dumb fucks, they are still people.
1: Yeah. And it's horrible.
2: Yeah. And public pressure in the way of the media coverage was almost non-existent. Now I have no choice, but to go on a little bit of tangent again, I'm Here sorry. Here goes. <laughs> Here I go. Now we are currently dealing with a opioid epidemic and there is so much energy and effort devoted to stopping this problem, and guess
1: why I think it is <laughs> uh, because a lot of the users are white.
2: Yeah, 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 guys. Um, I, I can't imagine um any of the victims of the opioid crisis being identified as NHI's. Yeah. Um, and I just, ooh, it just stings so. It's,
1: yeah, it's horrible. Yeah.
2: Okay, sorry, I'm done. I'm off. I'm off. I'll get off oh, the stool now. that was quick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the, the black community demanded action. A coalition was formed in 1986 by the black community called the Black Coalition Fighting Back Serial Murders. Its organizers cited concerns that, and I quote, The low-profile media coverage and problems with the investigation are all examples of women's women's lives not counting, and black prostitute women counting least of all. And I have to say, even now, uh, the victims of Chester Turner's crimes don't get much much press. Mm -hmm. Uh, Read a bunch of different articles uh, trying to get information about them. It was really difficult finding information about the victims. Yeah, I like to try and get as much information on the victims as I can to give them uh, some sort of a platform. Yeah, uh, but there just wasn't a whole lot out there.
2: Yeah, and um, I, I'm just thinking, like if if it was somebody else. I mean, we know we know so much about John
1: Benet Ramsey, Casey Anthony, Casey, Kaylee Anthony. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I just it just it just stings that's all i just i just wish it it wasn't that way and i i don't actually don't believe that it has to be that way um I don't know what will make it change. Yeah, Um, I don't either. Thank goodness for the internet, which is the wild, wild west, and for podcasts. You know what I mean? Like, we, yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't have to follow the same rules that that they do on NBC. I mean, we're not, we're not, we don't even have any sponsors. (laughs) so
1: We're still doing this. And we're still doing
2: this. So, so we, we, we get to, um. Well, I, I, we get to sort of tell the truth, and hopefully enough people will be listening, and 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 be able to go and do their own research, and 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 you know care, you know, right. So. ohiomysteries.com So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport then they create dysfunctional delusional reality That's how a scam begins convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house.
0: I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home, and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done And that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule.
2: History so interesting, it's criminal. We're getting into the timeline, okay? (laughs) On the morning of March 9th, 1987, two passing motorists discovered the body of 21-year-old Diane Johnson in a roadway construction area west of the Harbor Freeway at... Um one zero two one seven South Grand Avenue and she was found partially nude and had been strangled.
1: And then seven months later on October twenty ninth, nineteen eighty seven, just after one AM, a passing motorist discovered twenty six year old Annette Ernest lying on the roadway. She'd been found partially nude on the dirt shoulder at Grand Avenue and 106th Street. She too had been strangled. Annette's, I read uh, that Annette's mother had to take in and raise her children because mm. their, their mom was killed. Yeah, that's really sad. Uh, yeah, and then uh, the killings were halted for a time after a violent fight between Chester Turner and his girlfriend, Felicia Collier, Collier sorry, mm-hmm. uh, during which a relative of Collier's shot Turner in the abdomen. So uh, I guess he was hurt and he couldn't kill. It might be hard to strangle and rape with an abdomen injury. Got a, got a, when your gut shot.
2: (laughs) We'll get into this later (laughs) when, why did they snap? But um, I, uh, maybe it was on that misconduct podcast or an article that I read, but that this is, this is where his hatred for women just was boiling inside him um, because of Miss Felicia. So, oh, okay. On uh, January 20th, 1989, Southeast Patrol officers received a radio call regarding a dead body in an alley at 9819 South Figueroa Street. Officers saw a wood panel door leaning diagonally against a detached garage. Behind the door, officers found the body of 31-year-old Anita Fishman. She was partially nude, and the cause of death was strangulation. Now, um... I believe this is one that uh, I saw in reports that Mr. Turner staged uh, the 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 scene. Oh, okay. And that she was strangled with an extension cord. I saw that in a couple places. Um, and her nephew described her um, as an upbeat and happy person. Um, her sister Suzanne was um, trying to help her get, struggle with her addiction before, or, or with her addiction before her untimely death.
1: Then around 11 a.m. On, on September 23rd, 1989, a woman discovered the body of 27-year-old Regina Washington in a detached garage of a vacant home at 8858 South Figueroa Street. And this is sad. Washington was six months pregnant. Uh, the death of the fetus, referred to as baby Washington, was attributed to the strangulation of the mother, and as such, it was ruled a homicide. Mm-hmm. And said Very the sad. the co prosecutor Bobby Grace time effort and cruelty was put in to kill Washington.
2: I wish, and this is another thing. Like, I wish I knew his um, relationship with some of these women. I mean, if he's a dude in the neighborhood, and we'll we'll get to this later. But like, he goes to the cookout for one of the, one of the funerals.
1: One of these women. Yeah, he he hung out with a lot of the sex workers down uh, in on Figueroa, apparently, mm. so okay. he must have known some of them.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that you are right. In late 1991, Turner was arrested for lewd conduct. Masturbating, Where'd to go, in front of a crossing guard. <laughs> He was released in the fall of 1992, and within hours, he was again arrested for indecent exposure.
1: Mm, good
2: grief. Then was released from custody the same night. Holy shit. Yeah. You know, what the I, hell? Yeah, and I know that Ugh. you'll point to this later, but I'm I'm still not sure what made he, he had a, he, he had his mom who. What the yeah, hell? What happened? What, 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 what the happened hell is wrong you? with you? What happened? <laughs> he needs to write a book. Uh, he is on death row. So, so, so. I'm
1: waiting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's got, he's he, got he's time. He's got all kinds I'm of time. Waiting. Yeah. So September 30th, 1992, Tammy Christmas was found next to a portable classroom at the 97th Street Elementary School in L.A. On November 16th, 1992,
2: Deborah Williams, age 32, was found lying at the bottom of a stairwell that led
1: to a campus boiler room at the very same school. And then on December 16th, so just a month, exactly a month later, 1992, uh, Mary Edwards, 42, was found inside a carport near a rundown hotel which was adjacent to the exact same school.
2: Tammy Christmas, uh, Deborah Williams, and Mary Edwards' bodies were all found strangled around or within the 97th Street Elementary School in Los Angeles. The deaths of these women, of these three women, were originally blamed on a mentally challenged and nearly illiterate janitor from the school. His name was David Allen Jones. However, all these sites were also within
1: walking distance of Turner's house. On April 2nd, uh, 1993, at 9.15 a.m., a a construction worker discovered the body of 29-year-old Andrea Triplett. She was found lying in the yard to the rear of a vacant building at 7812 South Figueroa Street. The victim was found partially nude and had been strangled. She was also pregnant. Uh, She was five and a half months pregnant. Uh, But apparently at the time, California law didn't consider the fetus viable at five and a half months. So sad. So, yeah, Turner was not charged with its murder.
2: Jerry Johnson, Andrea's mother, held a repast dinner for the 29-year-old murdered daughter. It was the end of a day marked by two burials. Andrea's and that of her five and a half month old fetus laid to rest at her mother's feet. Filling her home and backyard, bringing food and eating together, were families and friends, including a quiet and familiar neighborhood man, Chester Turner. Jerry said that Turner joined the mourners in the backyard eating my food. They fixed that motherfucker a plate. Now, in so cookouts are are big in the black community every summer. You you, you got to go to at least one cookout and you got your orange soda, you got your Kool-Aid and um to f- when you fix somebody a pl- to fix somebody a plate, uh this is just a culture note, is is a sign of love. You fix somebody a plate, you fix the people that you love a plate. And um I just it, it's so icky that he sort of took advantage of this and and yeah. Um, that's disgusting. So anyway, terrible.
1: That's if whatever word is worse than horrifying. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. um Okay. So <laughs> sinister, maybe. But nah, I don't know if that's powerful
1: enough. No, not powerful enough. We'll get. We'll, we'll find get it we'll at Add us. <laughs> yeah, we'll find one. <laughs> <laughs> On May sixteenth, nineteen ninety-three, at seven a.m., the body of twenty-nine-year-old Desiree Jones was found laying alongside a vacant residence at 6821 South Estrella Avenue. She was partially nude, and the cause of death was strangulation. Um, Her brother, Frank, described her as smart, outgoing, and funny, and stated that before succumbing to her addiction, she worked at a rest home for the elderly. Oh,
2: man, that's too bad. On February 12, 1995, at 8.20 a.m., a a friend discovered the body of 31-year-old Natalie Price alongside a residence at 532 West 80th Street. She, too, was partially nude and had been strangled.
1: On November 6, 1996, Mildred Beasley, 45, was found partially nude and strangled. She was left amongst the bushes alongside the uh, 110 freeway. She was married and had a teenage son and had just moved to L.A. from Texas only eight weeks earlier.
2: These last two murders occurred outside the Figueroa Corridor in the Los Angeles area or Los Angeles County. So outside of his uh, normal playing ground. Right. February 3rd, 1998, Turner was living at a downtown hotel when he lured a woman to a walkway next to an office building. Paula Vance, 24 years old, was found at Olympia Tool in Azusa. Vance suffered from mental illness and was uh, transient. The Vance murder was witnessed by a bystander at a neighboring trailer park who reported it to the police. This one was also captured on surveillance videotape. The grainy video shows a husky muscular man forcing a woman onto the ground Raping and strangling her, per LAPD detectives. And I also recall in the Misconduct podcast, they mentioned that the jury saw the video. So, Oh, really? That's what I heard. But huh. I haven't seen the video, and I don't know yeah, about that. I haven't either. That I don't, for sure. I don't want to see it.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> uh, on April 6, 1998, at 2 a.m., Central Area Patrol officers were flagged down. They were told there was a possible dead body at 500 Gladys Avenue near Little Tokyo. The officers found the partially nude body of 37-year-old Brenda Breeze in a portable toilet. The cause of death was strangulation. She was found just 50 yards away from the hotel where Turner was staying.
2: So now we're going to get into a little bit of the investigation. Uh and I will say that it was problematic
1: to say the least
2: initially yeah. at least just because of the police the LAPD um, they did not have the best reputation back then and I will say ask any rapper any ask ask any West Coast <laughs> rapper my uh, ice cube pick one um, and they will t- they will tell you that the LAPD um, is the was was the biggest gang in America um, Very corrupt. Um, And uh, so anyway, uh, the LAPD decided that since the victims were black, likely crack addicts and sex workers, that their crimes were not worth investigating. The community had to band together and essentially force the police to do their jobs.
1: And cops spent years chasing their tails. Uh, They lumped together a bunch of unrelated murders and dubbed it all the work of the Southside Slayer. And um, the Southside Slayer was described as person of color, possibly with a Caribbean accent, hmm. possibly with a pockmarked face. He didn't exist <laughs> because it was like five,
2: five different I <laughs> was killers. watching The Princess and the Frog this weekend, this weekend and it <laughs> sounds like the guy who was in the cartoon that I saw with my kid. Uh, again, not a real person. <laughs>
1: not a real person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so those dozens of murders turned out to be the work of several different men, including Turner. Uh, Turner was also committing his crimes during the largest crime wave in L.A. history when murders topped 1,000 a year. Man,
2: crazy times. Lots of reasons why it was so crazy, though. It's not just because yeah. these people were black. But TV and print media barely noticed his killings of most, mostly black women who lived on the edge of society. Uh, Quote-unquote strawberries, who traded casual sex for drugs, who
1: nevertheless... had Had you ever heard that term before? I had not. I had not. I had neither. That was a new one. Yeah, I no,
2: mean. and it it makes it. It's definitely a euphemism. I mean, it sounds yeah. good.
1: Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I
2: I you know people could probably hate me for saying that, but I it sounds. <laughs> it Doesn't sound bad. Doesn't sound bad. Uh, just, yeah. some, just just some strawberries. Some strawberries. strawberries there. Yeah. Um. And I've I've never. I mean, okay. So I'm new word to the true crime game than than you are. You've been you you've been into this for a long time. And I'm just thinking I've never even I've never even heard it on law and order.
1: So Yeah, I, I haven't heard that one before. So, so okay. There's little argument that those fifteen deaths
2: would have been global news had the women been from Santa Monica or Silver Lake. Hey Amen. I know that's true.
1: Yeah. Uh Doctor Jeff Victoroff, an associate professor of clinical neurology and psychiatry at the University of Southern California says Society tends to focus on dramatic explosions of violence against people with whom they identify. So when drug-using minority women die, it usually fails to stimulate much public outrage. Uh, there might even be, some pe- in some people's minds, some kind of moral difference drawn. So basically victim-blaming, Yeah, which is horrible. Yeah,
2: it is. It is. Also, in their zeal to close the case, LAPD detect- de- detectives, I can speak, I'm I, I, I am okay. <laughs> LAPD detectives and district attorney found David Allen Jones, age 28 at the time. Guess what color he was? Uh, black? Yes! Ding, ding, ding! <laughs> you win nothing! <laughs> was convicted of the murders of Tammy Christmas. Deborah Williams and Mary Edwards. They were all found strangled around or within the 97th Street Elementary School where he worked as a janitor, but he didn't do it.
1: Yeah, that was the the three uh, that they were v- clustered very close mm-hmm, together mm-hmm. and in the same area. And I, I think it was also like really close to where Turner was staying in a hotel. Right, yes. Yeah. So, Jones, uh, David Allen Jones, was mentally disabled. He was barely literate and worked as a part-time janitor at that school. Uh, The police questioned him without an attorney, and transcripts from two taped interviews show that he repeatedly denied killing the women, but under detectives prodding, admitted to having sex and smoking crack cocaine, with the victims at the places where their bodies were found. Jones also said that he fought with the women and placed them in a police-style chokehold when they demanded more money or drugs. And it just makes me think of um, making a murder. Yeah,
2: little Brandon. Brandon, Brandon who who ended up, he's he's released now because of police misconduct. And um, so I have...
1: Uh, I, I imagine that's what was going on here they were telling him what Mm -hmm, to say mm -hmm. and so he's like yeah okay yeah I was smoking crap yeah sure yeah okay no because at
2: some point I I have heard and and this is the beauty of podcasts is I hear stories that I would have never have heard if I had been listening to um talk radio or uh the the nightly news um right the tactics police use they can lie to you they can abuse you they um will exhaust you to the point that you have you no longer have um agency you're so exhausted yeah and you, you,
1: you're just like no. well okay whatever yeah, okay, i whatever, did it i'll did sign it. whatever you want I just want to go home
2: and um
1: and somebody with uh who's mentally disabled mm-hmm. you know that um they, they can't think it through they don't know i mean like brendan dassey was like He's thinking he's gonna go back to school yeah he thought yeah you know? and
2: and he, I, I so I and and Brandon Dassey makes me think that it's it's not it's not always it's not always a, a color thing that that any any one of us who are poor or of color could be victims of this police misconduct and anybody any, can, yeah, yeah. Any,
1: anybody really can and and so but particularly vulnerable
2: people. communities yes yes yeah um and that includes people of um you know with maybe mental deficits or um oh even
1: drug addicts yeah you know yeah 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 because they're like you know without their basically anybody who's not a
2: straight christian white guy (laughs) we could always (laughs) is is subject to the police (laughs) abuse (laughs) and i don't feel sorry about saying that one bit so please don't edit that out anyway um okay (laughs) Uh, So anybody who's not a straight Christian white man could fall victim to this police misconduct. And so I tell my kids never talk to the police without mommy and daddy there ever. And my kids are only five and three, but the police are around a lot in my neighborhood. And so they just have to, I mean, and you, you sort of just sort of get slipped into these, into these, uh, situations situations. right like next thing you know i'm in the principal's office next thing you know the sheriff's there next thing you know so just no police mommy daddy or lawyer okay (laughs) thank you (laughs) uh so uh they relied on (laughs) I get on these tangents, y'all, and I'm sorry, I'm so passionate, that's why we're here. (laughs) They relied on Jones's core statements to the police instead of technology, and despite evidence that hair, blood, and semen samples collected at the scenes did not come from Jones, and that no witnesses or physical evidence tied him to the crimes, Jones was convicted in 1995 of killing Tammy Christmas, Mary Edwards, and Deborah Williams. Later, the detectives decided to revisit the cases and test the damn DNA evidence. When the evidence was re-examined from a scientific viewpoint, it was found that the murders of Deborah Williams and Mary Edwards, and and I'm not apologizing for repeating these women's names over and over again. I'm doing it on purpose. Deborah Williams and Mary Edwards were really the work of Chester Turner. Though police couldn't use the DNA evidence to solve the murder of Tammy Christmas, it had uh degraded it is also it is strongly believed that turner was also responsible in this case as well david jones served 9 years in prison before he was released in march 2004 so thank goodness he was they let him out he
1: didn't do it yeah and i read that he served 9 years mm-hmm. um and then other places said he served 11 mm. years so i was trying to do the math and i'm thinking maybe he sat in prison waiting for trial for a few years, which brought the total to eleven. Oh, so I see what he's like, mm-hmm. officially he served nine years, but he was actually in jail for eleven. I don't know, though. That's my guess.
2: I, I, I am uh, right there with you. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So anyway, the break, and the Turner case actually came from the last crime that he committed in two thousand and two. Although Turner was registered in two thousand as a sex offender for that lewd conduct when he uh, whipped was it out in front of himself. the crossing yeah. guard, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep.
2: I don't even <laughs> understand.
1: Yeah, <Dope. laughs> so he was he was registered as a sex offender, but even so, uh, the midnight mission where he was living allowed him to work as a security guard. As part of a drug rehabilitation program for cocaine abuse, and uh, Maria Martinez, who lived there um an admitted drug dealer and addict, uh, she knew Turner from the mission, like I said, she lived there um, and then sold single cigarettes uh to feed her habit so lucy's hey she's selling lucy's.
2: lucy's um well. <laughs> I don't know. Lucy's are kind of kind of in the news lately because that's that's what got Eric Garner killed. Um, what? Eric Garner, the big black guy in New York who was selling Lucy's in front of, I don't know, a bodega. Oh, that's right. He's OK, the, that was a while ago, though. I Can't Breathe
1: guy. Yeah, Sorry. that was like two years ago. Or yeah, right? yeah. But uh, that's
2: yeah. that's how I know. <laughs> that's how I am familiar About with Lucy's. Lucy's. So, OK, on March 16th, 2002. Turner sexually assaulted 47-year-old Martinez. She was walking to an all-night hamburger place on Los Angeles Street when Turner called her over for a light. He then grabbed her by the throat and pulled her behind a dumpster where he raped her repeatedly. He let her go, but threatened to kill her if she told anybody. In shock, she walked to the LAPD's nearby Central Division Station, thinking that she could take refuge there. Surprise, surprise. But when she tried to report the rape, the front desk cops saw little more than a street person with a wild story. They told her to sit and wait. Feeling slighted, she just went back to the mission.
1: Yeah, and then an administrator at the mission uh, urged Martinez to fight back by insisting on talking to police. She encouraged Martinez to file a police report. And later in court, she testified that Martinez wanted someone to believe her. She wanted to make it clear to me that she wasn't partying with him. At uh, California Hospital Medical Center, Martinez was given a sexual assault exam, which produced the genetic evidence that positively linked Chester Turner with a rape. Turner was arrested later that day, hiding... Uh, fully clothed in a shower at the mission.
2: Hey, bruh! What are you doing in there?
1: Yeah,
2: (laughs) Oh, just uh, hanging out. No, just, I'm just, (laughs) I'm showering by air. (laughs) He was convicted and sentenced to eight years at a California state prison. Turner was required to give a DNA sample to California's combined DNA index system. CODIS, they call it. Detectives began testing about 100 unsolved murders in addition to 35 murders around the Figueroa Corridor. In September 2003, Turner was identified as a match for DNA recovered from Vance Beasley. Additionally, nine of the 11 unsolved murders were matched to Turner using DNA evidence.
1: Get into the arrest. Um, Turner was already serving an eight year sentence for the 2002 rape conviction when detectives matched his DNA to some of the killings. Oh, good. Turner, yeah, Turner was charged in uh, September 2003. At a press conference, police said that they believe Turner killed at least 13 women in the South Los Angeles area making him the most prolific serial killer in the city's history. DNA evidence linked him to deaths as far back as March 9, 1987, when he killed 21-year-old Diane Johnson.
2: Hey, come through LAPD. (laughs) You guys (laughs) finally got here. We've been waiting for you for years. (laughs) Many of the articles that we read remarked about how Turner was invisible, that he blended into the community and people did not suspect him, and in some ways, Chester Turner is still a ghost. During his trial in the criminal court's building downtown, no crowds pressed forward to catch a glimpse of him. The area around the courthouse was crowded, but the media and onlookers were there to see the music legend Phil Spector. On trial in the murder of a beautiful blonde actress, hey, we talked about this earlier this episode, Mm -hmm. the kind of story the media can get behind.
1: But uh, after a five week trial on April 30th, uh, 2007, Turner was convicted of murdering 10 women and one victim's unborn fetus in the 80s and 90s. Jurors deliberated less than a day before finding Turner guilty of first degree murder with special allegations that made him eligible for the death penalty. Turner was also later convicted of four additional murders and received a second death sentence in
2: 2004. 14. Yeah. So where are they? Where are they now? Well, he's on death row. row. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Well, to this day, um, you know, we always like to get into what made them snap because, um, could be a lot of things could be could be a number of things but to this day nobody not the families of the victims not the prosecutors or the cops understands why he began his reign of terror i have a couple of theories that i think didn't help his situation (laughs) and one uh his mom was very strict he wasn't allowed to go out and play he always had to stay home and help her um this is a quote from a friend. He said, I never thought that he was that kind of person, says a longtime friend who never suspected a thing. While Turner's mother could be too tough on him as a teen, you know, she would lock up the food, he said, and um, make him wait outside until she got home from work. Um, you have to deal with those things. And um, the friend said, I knew he had problems, but I never thought he would go out and kill people
1: none yeah, of us because ever your think, mom's mean yeah,
2: yeah. well um i don't know i i can't I, when you say your mom's mean i can't help but go back to that scene in psycho <laughs> yeah, yeah true the true. mom was mean and look what happened yeah. Yeah, true <laughs> um and then uh another um thing that again i did not believe helped Mr. Turner was that uh, he had this rocky relationship with Felicia Collier, and he had a kid with her, and um, they fought a
1: lot. It was a, the, first of, the four. first of four. They, they had, had four, four kids. kids, so
2: yeah. they fought constantly. Um, and eventually, uh, there was a violent confrontation between the two of them, where uh, Miss Felicia's relative stepped in and, and shot Turner in the abdomen. Um, and actually, his crime stopped for a little while at the time.
1: Yeah, for a little bit. So good yeah. on you. <laughs>
2: hey, too bad. Too bad it wasn't a kill. Oh boy, I shouldn't. It wasn't yeah, fatal. too bad it wasn't fatal. Uh, <laughs> eh,
1: well, uh, all okay. right. So, <laughs> one of the investigators, a detective Shepard, said that he believed Turner's anger and frustration at home were channeled into the outburst of violence that claimed his victims. I think he wasn't targeting any particular person shepherd said but if someone crossed his path at the wrong time he would vent on them so uh like you were saying he had a rocky relationship with his girlfriend get he would get mad and go out and kill people
2: uh that's what it sounds like to me like um what do you do when you get mad beth
1: um i usually cry (laughs) I mean, I, I stamp around and, and I might yell and then I start crying. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's see.
2: I will find the nearest bottle of wine. I will, um, I will, I will, I will yell, but I'm, I'm very slow. That's not my thing. I, I like to, um,
1: I don't like anger. I, I hate I, anger. I, it feels when icky. I
2: really mad at my kids. I whisper and it's i I know it's very scary that's scary (laughs) no oh my gosh you just whispered and i want to i want to go hide (laughs) i do not like
1: what you're doing right now i have a set of skills (laughs) oh my
2: god and then i get all liam Neeson on him. (laughs) get me out of here so no so anyway
1: uh, but i i do not go kill anybody that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not what I do. No, no, definitely don't do that.
2: So this episode was fun, but it is coming to an end. So what are our takeaways? (laughs) Um, Well, so let me let me get my thoughts together here. So I uh, was in disbelief about how nuts it was in the Los Angeles area at this time. Uh, Many factors contributed to how South Central ended up the way it was with high crime, poverty, mostly black and brown, um, the crack, the PCP, prostitution on the streets, um, things like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this term, Beth, but white flight um, yeah, I the am. introduction of crack into the neighborhoods, um, militarization slash racism of the police department, um, over policing, redlining, um, little
1: opportunity. Now, what's what's redlining?
2: Redlining is um, it's uh, the the best way to describe it is if you look at a, a map that realtors and lenders were looking at when they were um selling homes to people and giving out mm-hmm. loans to people the red areas Ew. were
1: bad areas
2: that's where all the black right. people were allowed to live gotcha, gotcha. And then there okay. were uh yellow and green areas and those were places where it was safe for white quote unquote safe for white people to live and so right. um the unfortunate thing is uh redlining is still a thing Um, with letters today it's 2018 everybody look at your watches and your calendars Um, but uh, so anyway so that um, that sort of um, limited uh, where black people could live and um, so uh, it contributed to all these other problems um, in in the communities Um, literally people were at the time I think just trying to survive I think any any black person or person of color would tell you we're just trying to (laughs) we're really just trying to make it they would tell you that then in the 90s in the 80s and 90s and i venture to say that they would probably say it today i can speak for myself that's what i'm trying to do um so uh i feel terrible for the victims and their families it took them raising their voices and compelling action by law enforcement. And I think that's wonderful that they, they did that. I couldn't agree more that if they had been in Westlake Village, that's where my husband grew up, or Malibu, <laughs> that the investigation may have been um, taken more seriously. Um, that also may be why there were so many active serial killers allowed to run rampant for so long in such a concentrated space. I also feel terrible for the man who was wrongly convicted, um, who served almost 10 years of his life in prison. But silver lining, he got a little shy of a million dollars for his troubles.
1: Um, yeah, that's, that's good.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is good. He got something. Um, I also heard on a podcast, shout out to the gals at the Miscod- Misconduct Podcast, that um, Turner um, admitted to strangling the women, but he said that they were alive when he left them. Um, and I didn't, I didn't see that any, I didn't see that written anywhere, but I, I heard that on their podcast. So I wanted to, um, highlight that too. Mention yeah, it. Mention
1: it. Yeah. yeah, so, um, misconduct, uh, that's a really good podcast. They do a lot of, um, obscure killers, yeah. uh, like we yeah. do. And, um, they did an excellent job of describing that area at the time and the history on um an episode that they did on the Grim Sleeper, which I think was actually their first episode. Oh. Yeah, their very first episode was on the Grim Sleeper, Ooh. I think. Oh, okay. Um, and he was one of the serial killers who was active at the same time mm-hmm. as Chester Turner. And so I really recommend listening to that episode to get a clear picture of what it was like at that time. Me too. I recommend too. Um you know, there, there was a lot of down and out people in that area with terrible lives, mm-hmm. um, you know, drug, drug addicts, uh, parents raising children, uh, but also doing drugs. Um, I, I was watching a documentary about the Grim Sleeper, and it was said that less than 50% of the people in that area had graduated from high school. Mm. Um, There was high unemployment, lots of drugs, crime, um, but, you know, they weren't all killing people. (laughs) Yeah, but, yeah, (laughs) that's true. They they had rough, rough lives. Like, a lot of them had a lot worse lives than Turner did. Mm -hmm. Um, I read an article uh, where Turner had offered, like, garden variety complaints to the... detectives about his early life like his his mom was too strict his stepmother used to hit him he wasn't allowed to fight back against his half siblings but you know his his mom worked she had a regular job she as far as i know she she wasn't doing drugs she wasn't an alcoholic or anything like that he was cared for so yeah I, i don't know I mean, lots of people have worse lives. That's true. And don't kill people. That's
2: true. Um, yeah, you're right.
1: I, I also surprised that I had never heard of this guy prior to reading about the Grim Sleeper. Wait
2: a minute. You're the true crime OG. You never heard of this guy? Yeah,
1: I never heard of Chester Turner until I read about the Grim Sleeper. Um, and lots of people have heard about the Grim yeah, Sleeper. Yeah,
2: we all heard about it. It's-
1: yeah, Grim but sleeper, Chester, sleeper. Chester Turner is almost unknown, yeah. uh, despite the fact that his body count is higher. Uh, so I'm thinking maybe it's because he didn't get an interesting moniker like the Grim Sleeper, the Grim sleeper. you know? but <laughs> I mean, the, the South Side Slayer, but that was actually used for several different killers. So um, if you look and see, you know, the different people that were active during this time uh serial killers a lot of them are called the south side slayer. oh really <laughs> yeah oh, jesus so Christ. chester turner is the south side slayer and some other guys the south side you know Slayers. what i live
2: in south <laughs> i live in south phoenix everybody's, everybody's the south i'm side a south side slayer. slayer too you know what <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna call my gardener to Southside Slayer. (laughs) He slays those weeds, man. He slays the hell out of those weeds. Yes, a (laughs) man. Jesus Christ, that's too bad because this is somebody that the people should know about. I mean,
1: yeah.
2: um, It's. uh...
1: I mean, I really didn't know anything about any of these guys, and I didn't know that there was five serial killers working in the same area. I knew about the Grim Sleeper but I you know it was like a casual. I didn't really know that much about him. Yeah,
2: no, it was I I like if I close my eyes I know what his face looks like and I know that he slept from killing <laughs> for, yeah. for a little while and that's and then other than, he took yeah, a nap. Yeah, he took a nap and then he was like and then he started Uh, up again time for some more killing um
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay have some tea and go off to kill have some
2: tea (laughs) hey pack my lunch and then go yeah (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ so um Uh, so here is the part of our show where we offer some tips if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. Now,
1: yeah. I do
2: have to preface this, that um, it was kind of uh, tricky to come up with a tip this week. Um, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, that y- we can just come up with general safety tips for true crimers. Um, and they may or may not relate to the case that we're talking about. That's all.
1: Yeah, we, we wanted to come up with tips that related to the cases, but sometimes we can't. Sometimes we can't. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Um. Yeah, and I wanted to say that uh, this segment's not intended to be victim blaming. Mm, no, not at all. We just thought of this segment because I read that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer, like learning from other people's mm-hmm. mistakes, yeah. you know? And, uh, like we were talking about, not, not a whole lot can be gleaned from this particular yeah. episode. I mean, we all know that living a high-risk lifestyle puts you in danger's dangerous way. Um, so we could say, don't go off with people you don't yeah. know. But uh, some of these victims did know mm-hmm. him. So And they, he hung out with the sec- sex workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maria Martinez knew him as a security guard at the mission where she was living. So, yeah.
2: I don't know. I don't know, but hey, come come through, <laughs> Fruit Loopies. <laughs> yeah. You guys got any tips? Fruit loopies, loopsters, fruities. <laughs> fruities, fruity loopers. I agree with everything you you said, Beth. I uh, again, um it's it's tough this episode. I wish I wish we had something to to leave the listeners with, but maybe you guys, maybe you heard something that you think, hey, well maybe from now on, yeah, I'll and do I, this. I think we're,
1: yeah, I think what we'll do is, um, if we can get something out of the episode that we can offer up, then we will. Otherwise, uh, we'll, we might come up with something unrelated, yeah,
2: yeah. And, um, you know, this is sort of a,
1: oh, I was thinking about something today, actually. Oh, please tell um, me. Um, Okay, I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is your mouth in the microphone? I, listen- I want to hear. <laughs> 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 um, I I listen to, uh, what is it called? True Crime Profile? Uh-huh. It's another podcast. Anyway, um, they o- always uh, give tips, too. Ooh. And one of the ones that I remember is not to sit in your car and um, text or play on your phone <gasps> while you're just sitting there in the parking really lot. do they say why yeah because somebody you're not paying attention somebody can come up and get in your car
2: oh oh
1: yes that's a good one yeah so I did think of that today because I was doing that. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it was the middle of the day I'm mean, like uh, I had to uh, do something before I was meeting a friend for lunch and I had to do something on my phone before mm-hmm. I went inside. I had to send a text. So um, I'm sitting in the car. I'm like, ah, I'm doing the thing they said not to do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Well then I guess we'll just say good night to Beth. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> good
1: night to Beth. She's been, she's been
2: in her car too much and she just didn't make it back yeah <laughs> well, no, didn't make it back texting texting while sitting in uh that's a really that is actually i think a great tip um thanks for sharing that one Beth. you're yeah. welcome so let's see um well okay so we're a newer podcast but um in the four or five episodes that we've um aired we've got some great feedback, honest feedback, and we appreciate every single bit of it. So we just wanted to share a little bit of our listener letters with you guys and encourage you to um, contribute. If you have any thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, um, go ahead and share them and I don't know, maybe we'll read them on the air. So um, this first one, uh, this gentleman wanted to be anonymous. So I'm just gonna call him (laughs) Jerry Steinfeld. He said, <laughs> need to work much more on messaging and quips. These are super sensitive topics and you have to take that into consideration when writing these up. If you don't write your quips beforehand, which is understandable, then you should do more improv work to think on your feet. The internet is a cold, wondrous place and the wrong word or tone of voice can send it, send its dogs other um uh, dogs but other than that your voice and chemistry is good thanks jerry steinfeld yeah, thank you thank jerry you. um uh we are again not professional anything <laughs> we're we're a work, in <laughs> we a work in progress
1: hopefully hopefully we'll we'll get there and we'll uh work out that yeah stuff. we'll
2: work it out jerry steinfeld but we do appreciate the feedback um this next one we will she wanted to be anonymous as well sarah jessica darker uh (laughs) she said i was entertained and found myself chuckling your voices sound great and you sound like you are having so much fun i worry about how how you approach sensitive subjects like rape or how you discuss the police but other than that i love the show keep it up well we worry about that stuff too sarah Sarah jessica darker and um Again, as we mentioned in the beginning of the show, these are not the most f- uh, happy topics. And um, so we're just um, trying to have a good time discussing um, things that we think are interesting and uh, that we hope that you are interest- you are finding it interesting and enjoying yourself while you're listening as well. Um, lastly, we got a wonderful comment in our Facebook discussion group. Um, where can they find that discussion group again, Beth?
1: Our Facebook discussion group is Fruit Loops Pie. Hey. Discussion group. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I'm like, this where is, is, a, is it? From our discussion. Looking through my brain. Yeah, just <laughs> where scanning, the hell is scanning it? Scanning those folds. Yeah, scanning your brain.
2: <laughs> she um uh she uh posted this comment on our discussion page uh and this is a shout out to Debbie. Thank you for listening, Debbie. Um, she said, I love the podcast. I can't wait till your next episode. And you know what, Debbie? We can't either. So, uh, where <laughs> can they find us,
1: Beth? Our website is FruitloopsPod.com. Fa- Facebook is FruitloopsPod and FruitloopsPod Discussion. Also on Twitter and Instagram at FruitloopsPod. And uh, links to our sources will be in our footnotes.
2: Hey, so this is a weekly podcast. New episodes drop every Thursday. And until next time, look alive, y'all. It's crazy out there.
0: You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com.
2: By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day, your way.
0: 3 a.m., the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, Glitches in the Matrix, Cult Leaders, Missing 411, Night Marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian Devil Worship, and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off-topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends, trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3am, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go.